first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Well, the Indianapolis Colts win against the Jacksonville Jaguars to finish out the 2020 regular season. The Colts finished with an 11-5 and record, good for the number seven seed in the AFC playoffs. So this is the second out of three years of a winning record in a playoff berth under Frank Reich. So, Derek, this was a interesting game, to say the least. There were some, definitely some moments where it was a little bit frustrating, especially that second half, third quarter, uh, most of that fourth quarter, which we'll talk about. But, hey, man, nonetheless – the Colts right now are a playoff team for the second year in, in three years. So, I mean, say what you want about this game, but ultimately, man, we're in the playoffs again. We get that opportunity again. Uh, how you feeling, man, waking up knowing that we are a playoff team again? Yeah, it, it's really incredible when you look at the journey that this team has had to take to get here. And even with being 11-5, and five, and still there was a shred of doubt as to whether or not we make the playoffs. I mean, isn't that incredible to know that the worst team in AFC is going to be is 11 and five and making the playoffs. I mean, that is just incredible. And not to mention there are how many teams, four teams that have a 11 and five record. So, I mean, it's incredible that, you know, the AFC is this competitive this year and, you know, and, Again, I kept saying who you lose to is the important one. And all these other teams, you know, we haven't played the Chiefs or Buffalo yet, but every team that's in front of us right now has beaten us at some point this season. So it's going to be a rough ride to wherever it is we think we can go. But, you know, either way, still really good to be in the playoffs. You know, you predicted it right, 11-5. and This team certainly is very capable and I'm just enjoying the fact that we are in the playoffs and get the chance. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, we are traveling to Buffalo. That's the next week. Saturday will be the game, uh, the early game. At, uh, I think, believe it's 105. So the Colts will be traveling to Buffalo to play the number two seed Buffalo Bills. That'll be a very tough matchup, which we'll get to a little bit later um, on in the week and stuff like that. But let's just kind of break down this game a little bit. It won't be a super long one because I don't think there's a whole lot to tell. I mean, Jacksonville already fired their head coach, Doug Marone. Today, actually, when we're recording, they they fired him. So that tells you anything about the season. I was watching a little bit of our friend uh, UCF Jaguar, just like, man, the season is finally over. Thank goodness. You know, that's just kind of the vibe the Jaguars have had all year. But um, the Colts really started off pretty strong. They jumped off to a 10-0 lead in the first quarter um, and then a 20-7 lead at the half. Uh, I think the big thing that kind of was a little bit frustrating was that third quarter, Derek. Uh, the Colts scored zero points in the third quarter. It seems like it's been a trend the last couple of weeks where the Colts offense is kind of, uh, they, they played really well in that first half and they kind of become a little bit stagnant in that second half. Uh, I'm curious, in your opinion, what was the main factors behind why the Colts really struggled there in that third quarter? Obviously they had that big Jonathan Taylor run and that, uh, and that T Y Hilton two point conversion, 
to really seal that game for for the Colts then and make it a twenty eight to fourteen game. That 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 was the final score then. So, but going back to my question though, why did the Colts struggle in that third quarter and most of that fourth quarter to really do anything offensively? Well, I mean, it seemed like in the second half, it felt like it was big play or bust when it came to how the Colts' were offense was in the second half. Because remember when. Yeah, you like you said that first run, the first play of the second half for Indianapolis. It's a 45-yard run by Jonathan Taylor. They're just about in field goal range, and then the next play, oh, they lose two yards on a halfback toss. You know, yeah. it, it felt like it w- that was the way the whole game. And then the next drive, when the Colts failed to convert, you had a uh, Zach Pascal had two straight plays for for 35 yards looked like the Colts were going to go down again. And then a holding comes up and then it stalls the drive. And then that first drive Jacoby Brissett was in for two plays and made two uh, mistakes. One by holding on, not holding on to the ball the first time on the third down and would have just walked for a first down. And then the second time, not giving it to Jonathan Taylor and keeping it. And then they got the turnover. Like, I mean, again, it was right. <laughs> I know everybody again wants to say Frank Reich and passing the ball, getting away from the run, which was is actually false because Indianapolis ran the ball more times in the second half than what they did in the first half with Jonathan Taylor's sake. I don't know about Naheem yeah. Hines. Hines didn't get many opportunities to run behind that offensive line, anyways. But nevertheless, I don't think it was bad uh, play calling because most of the time when the plays were there, they were open and everything was working. It was just failed execution. And then multiple times in the yep. fourth quarter, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Phillip Rivers kept throwing it to the check down on Jonathan Taylor too late and he wasn't there. Nobody was open in the back or at least Phillip Rivers didn't see it. And then ultimately Phillip Rivers was throwing the check downs and it got one yard uh, both times and it never worked. Like you can't be throwing check downs on third down and 11 if you're not going to plan it. Because again, there were screens that worked throughout the whole game. Naheem Hines had a couple, Jonathan Taylor had a couple, the screens were working, but we got away from some of those. But I, I just thought, again, it's come down to lack of execution. Not saying that Frank Reich is uh, disturbed mm-hmm. from any blame. I agreed with you on that yesterday when we talked about it, but right. And nevertheless, it, Frank Reich still called a really good game plan. I just thought it's been like this for the last couple of weeks for Indianapolis. Lack of execution in the second half when it comes to football games. It's been odd to see this team switch from the way it has been. Like uh, Indianapolis in the second half of games in in the beginning part of the season was so good at making adjustments and starting to figure things out. And now all of a sudden it seems like this team just can't figure out what to do with the ball when they get on the opponent's side of the territory. Cause remind you most of those drives that Indianapolis failed to convert on touchdowns late in the four, in the second half, they were in Jacksonville territory. It's not like Jacksonville was, shutting them down completely in the, in the second half. They were. Indianapolis was getting big play after big play after big play. They just ultimately could not get into where they wanted to go. And Blankenship obviously missed the field goal. And 
in other situations, they kept they couldn't get five more yards to put Blankenship in field goal range. You know, even an extra field goal at the end of that in that fourth quarter would have certainly helped to keep this defense from having to worry like it needed to depend yeah. on the offense. And I'm not even going to blame the defense for the for this second half either because they held them to seven points. Seven points. That's it. I mean, it, regardless of what you want to say about Glennon tearing up our secondary. It doesn't matter. They only scored seven points. So, I mean, this offense, I just don't know what's up with them in the second half, but they're going to have to figure it out because they can't falter like this against other teams or else we're going, we're going to, we're going to lose bad. Yeah. I think for me, it's more, like you said, lack of execution, but also lack of situational execution. That's the big thing for me. Like you said, like that third down and like two or three and Jacoby Reset keeps it and gets nowhere. Uh, just different stuff like that. It's just like, and ultimately, yeah, I mean, it does come down to play calling. It does come down. Ultimately, it falls back always and it should on the head coach. It just, that's just how it works, you know, but, but yeah, I agree. I think it wasn't a bad game called by Frank Reich. I think just the lack of execution at certain moments, key moments when you need to have a play uh, was just not the greatest. And uh, I mean, honestly, Blankenship missed two field goals too. So, you know, you think you take one of those, if you, even if you take both of those, uh, it's a whole different ball game. Like that's six extra points you left there on the field. And so, yeah, it's just, I think that's in credit and credit to Blankenship though. That first one was a 57 yarder. So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that, was a big that that's difficult. There's like only probably there's less than a handful of kickers in the NFL that can nail a kick like that on any given moment. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely understand that. And the second one, it, it had the distance. It was just off to the right, just off to the right and, slightly. Yeah. Yeah, and it just hit off the the upright then, so that was just a bummer. I mean, he probably would have made that any other time. It just was, just kind of a it just that's how it happens sometimes. But he still made two field goals, and that's six points he added there. So, um, and he also made his two extra points as well. So he he had eight points. So everybody has not the best game. I could see NFL sometimes you have kind of not the greatest days statistically as a kicker. But hey, I mean, I, I'm not too worried about it. I had some people yeah. like asking about him, and I was like, look, he kicked his longest field goal of the year. Uh, and people like should be worried about his his leg, and I'm like, no, it's a 56 yard field goal. Like, like yeah. no, like I guarantee you, only a handful of kickers can make that distance. Honestly. And not and to so, mention, keep it straight the way he did. It was perfectly yeah, on yeah. balance. It just was a few yards short. It's not. It, it wasn't like it was. It was. It never made the end zone. No, it, it made it right. really close. It just didn't quite have the leg. Yeah, I thought he made it at first. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I thought he did too because I saw so. it bounce off the net and I thought it, it made it, yeah. but apparently it was just short. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's talk a little bit more individual statistics now on the Colts offense. We mentioned how they struggled a little bit. Phil Rivers, not his best day um, as a quarterback, 17 to 27, 164 yards, had a touchdown, had an interception. Fortunately, wasn't sacked at all in this game. So the offensive line, Jared Veld here had a had a, a rough rep there early on, but I thought he played really, really well at left tackle, filling in for Costanzo. So uh, but yeah, going back to Rivers, not his best day offensively. You mentioned it kind of was late on some throws a little bit. Um, and there were some concerns potentially about his like, you know, toe being re-aggravated. But like you mentioned it um, in the postgame stream, Derek. I mean, on that two point conversion, Rivers scrambled to the right. So obviously it didn't affect him that much. He was able to do that. 
Uh, but you know, I, I honestly, like I wasn't too impressed by him, but if you're going to have a day where you don't look the greatest, it'd probably be against a one win team where you can afford to do that. Um, but yeah, uh, how concerned are you potentially about Phillip Rivers? I mean, we're going into Buffalo now. They have a pretty good defense. Uh, are you concerned at all by this performance from uh, number 17? Well, I, I certainly, it, when we're talking about second half statistics, when we're talking about just inability to kind of keep things going, that does concern me. But overall performance, I didn't necessarily think this was such a big deal because you know, Indianapolis wasn't really trying to blow the doors open offensively when it came to passing the ball. They knew their ingredient was run the football. And when you're running for 270 yards in a game, your quarterback doesn't have to throw for 300 yards because you're all, all right. your running backs are doing that for you. So it was a lot of situational football, right? Rivers yep. didn't have to throw the ball deep very often. And the one time he decided I'm going to chuck it up and just let – uh, the grace of God go do that, then he got picked off. That's what concerns me a little bit. I hope that he regroups and understands that you can't do that sort of thing against um, against Buffalo because when you got Porter, Hyde, and Tredavious White back there and, and Josh Norman, I mean, that is a very experienced, very intelligent defensive back groom right there. And, and we cannot have those sorts of things happen. I mean, the good thing is Buffalo's not seen us yet this year, so they don't have any idea on like on what exactly they're going to do to stop Phillip Rivers. They just have the game plan. But at the end of the day, yeah, it, it's a little concerning. You'd have to you'd be a fool to say that no, that it wouldn't be a fool to be doing that. But um, again, it all depends on a run game. How does the offense do in running the ball? Um, and and the Colts just have to kind of get back to some of the things that were working earlier in the season against the yep. teams like Green Bay and the Bengals when they were just throwing stuff across the middle. I hope that Indianapolis will uh, continue to do that. I'm sure that Frank Reich knows this Bills team really well, and they and they know what they need to do to get it to work. As long as the offensive line continues to uh, continues to do what they're doing and not giving up a ton of pressure on Phillip Rivers and Rivers has a clean pocket for most of the game, then I'm not insanely worried about it. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you. Yeah, the offensive line has looked really good so far. So I'm excited to see uh, if they can continue to keep this up against a pretty good Bills team. Um, yeah, Hines led the team with six catches for 50 yards, so he was used in the in the passing attack a little bit more. Zach Pascal had a couple key catches. He had two of them. 41 yards combined. So um, wasn't like you said, it wasn't like a passing type of day. Like the guys made the catches that they need to make. Uh, so uh, yeah, we won't, we won't really touch on this a whole lot because we kind of mentioned a little bit. It was just one of those days where you were able to run the ball really, really effectively. And speaking of that, man, Jonathan Taylor, let's just move to this running game. Holy cow. Jonathan Taylor, 30 carries, 253 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, averaged 8.4 yards per carry in this game, had that big 45-yarder that basically sealed this this game for the Colts. Uh, and it's crazy, Derek, because like after this performance, Jonathan Taylor elevated himself to number three in the league in rushing, which is absolutely insane considering all the circumstances that he came into this year. Didn't even really play much in terms of running the football in week one. You know, your starting running back goes down for the year. So he's thrust into that lineup with no OTAs. 
and, you know, minimal training camp, a little bit different, like all this stuff, all these factors, you know, was missed a game due to the COVID stuff. Um, also he, you know, he, he kind of lost some snaps there in the middle of the season. So all these factors happen and Jonathan Taylor really just all of a sudden goes on this tear and it's absolutely insane. Uh, 253 yards, man, that he breaks the Colts, uh, rushing record of all time, beating Edger and James, who's a hall of fame running back, man, just talk to me about him, uh, what he's done this year, how he's improved and man, what he has done and looking forward, you know, to this bills game, how important it is to get Jonathan Taylor this hot going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last five games that Jonathan Taylor's had, over half his rushing yards have come from just these last five games alone, which is incredible because, yeah, like you said, it it takes a guy a while to get used to the system in which they run it. And, you know, we were saying it too that, you know, the offensive line play was not great. So Jonathan Taylor wasn't getting any help there. And with it being so, him being so young and not getting enough time to understand the system and all of these factors, all of these factors that everybody talks about for rookie running backs, why some of them don't get so hot right away, it, it happened. All of it did. And then all of a sudden, the offense started clicking. They started figuring it out. They started mixing it up. And then Jonathan Taylor started to get more acclimated. And once he figured it out, it... it, it I could argue over the last five over the last five weeks outside of Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor's been the best running back in, in the NFL. You couldn't yeah. make that argument outside of Derrick Henry. I mean, this guy has just been on a tear, dude, averaging probably over a hundred yards a game over the last five games. I mean, we just saw him put on a top ten all-time rushing performance last night, and nobody's really talking about it. I mean, this is one of the best performances that we've ever seen a running back do. And, I mean, this guy's a rookie. And to think of what this kid is able to do, and you're right, he got hot at the perfect time. To now know you have Jonathan Taylor, who on average now is running at almost five yards a carry now because all he does is just push people forward. And then... And you now have Hines, who we all know what he can do in the backfield and outside of the backfield. I mean, what right. what Jonathan Taylor has now been able to do, and with and not to mention, you mentioned one game he was out due to uh, sickness, uh, a game earlier in the season, a couple weeks ago. So you know, the, the, there's been multiple situations where if Jonathan Taylor came in the way he wanted to right away and would have known that he was the starter and would have been the guy from the very beginning. I mean, Jonathan Taylor would have much more yards. I mean, this guy is incredible. He's definitely fitting right in, and Indianapolis is loving it. And it's important, too, because like you said, with the offense, with Phillip Rivers and concerns about what could happen in the secondary, if the Colts are able to establish the run going into the playoffs, which it looks like they're able to now, it it's, makes it so much easier for the offense to be able to uh, keep moving and it keeps the defense off the field, which is exactly what we need because you certainly don't want to keep Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs out there on the field for much longer than they have to be. So yeah, this is very important. This is very important. And it, it, it's coming at the perfect time too. I know it's against Jacksonville. I know that it's, it, it probably would have happened either way, but Jonathan Taylor looks like a whole nother animal now. And it's really good to see him doing that. And it, the offense for Indianapolis is so much more dynamic thanks to his play now. 
Yeah, I have a stat here that I pulled up. So Jonathan Taylor from week 11 on. Keep in mind, he missed a game due to sickness. 741 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry. Um, he became only the eighth rookie ever with a thousand rushing yards, a thousand plus rushing yards, 10 plus touchdowns, and 5.0 plus yards per carry. That is absolutely insane. As insane. That Jonathan Taylor is able to do this. And, and yeah, uh, credit the offensive line, too. Like you mentioned, they started off a little bit struggling in running the football. Man, they have really turned it on. Um, I've really loved what they've been able to do. The offensive line's been dominant, like we've we've seen and we've asked this whole season, where's that been? You know, we hadn't seen that for most of the season in terms of running the football, and now we're getting back to that, and it's, it's awesome. It's so great to see that. So mm-hmm. uh, I love, dude, I love what Jonathan Taylor's bringing. And I, was, I even tweeted out uh, – a couple of days ago, man, imagine bringing back Marlon Mack, having Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. That's the best running back trio in football. Like no yeah, doubt in my well. mind, man, like Max, keep in mind last year, Mack was a thousand yard rusher as well. So yeah, I'm really excited for this running back group. Uh, Jonathan Taylor just adds a whole new element to what the Colts wanted to do running the football. They were really good running the football last year. If you can add, you added a player like Jonathan Taylor. Now we see why the Colts traded up to get this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he is Wisconsin Jonathan Taylor now, the running back that literally is making defenders look silly. It, it's incredible, man. Yeah, uh, it looked like one of his size, everything. Yeah, it looked like one of his games at Wisconsin yesterday. That's what it looked like. It's just one of yeah. those where he broke five different runs yesterday of 20-plus yards. I mean, that's 100 wow. yards on just five plays, and then the rest of it just accumulated. I mean, the worst rushes that he had were where the offensive line just completely demo- uh, just fell apart and was hit in the backfield. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, when you gave him a split second to hit that line – Dude, he wasn't getting at least he was getting at least four yards per carry at mm-hmm. least. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- those are the two things we had questions on. Right. First off, vision was one of them. He doesn't seem like it's an issue now. And yeah. then second off was breaking tackles. And now he's doing that. And uh, that's exactly what the Colts need moving on into the playoffs. If they want a chance to potentially make a playoff run, that's what they need. They need to be able to run the football. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's move over now to the Colts defense. So defense didn't have. There were some, some moments where you're just like, what are we doing? But overall, you said 14 points of defense allowed this whole game. Only seven points in that uh, second half there. Really allowed kind of a, I thought it was kind of a stupid, uh, you know, at the end of that first half, allowed a touchdown. I thought that was way, way too easy for Jacksonville. But overall, I felt like the defense did a really good job. I mean, they ended this game with six sacks on Mike Glennon. Uh, DeForest Buckner being the beneficiary of two of those. Crazy yep. that that man was Pro Bowl snub still. Um, but he's continuing to prove the league wrong there. Um, you know, the Colts did a really, really good, really good job. They forced another turnover as well. That obviously that Darius Leonard strip sack on Mike Glennon was yeah. a huge, huge momentum changer there in that game. Uh, so what, what was your overall impression of this, this Colts defense here to close out the season? Well, I mean, the passing defense uh, currently still kind of concerns me, especially coming into the playoffs, you know, with Buffalo. And we know how Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and those guys are. I mean, Stephon Diggs, you can make the argument outside of Devontae Adams. I mean, Stephon Diggs was the best receiver in football this year. He led the league in receptions and in yards. I mean, this outside of touchdowns, which is Devontae Adams' uh 
king there. I mean, De- Stephon Diggs found his new home in Buffalo, and he is loving every minute of it. I mean, he's one of the yeah. best route runners. This team is going to struggle going up against Stephon Diggs because Stephon Diggs can do it all to you. And, you know, this defense is still – I mean, this passing – defense has been average at best over the last few weeks. You know, it's been average uh, for a lot of this. And I know that it's because, you know, you get later in the season, teams start to have more film. Guys start to make a few more mistakes. We kind of had to anticipate that something like this was probably going to happen. But neither, nevertheless, this team is still a top 10 defense, no question about it. And I mean, that's what we wanted, right? We said with adding DeForest Buckner and a couple of these other guys, we thought they could be a fringe top 10 defense, and they certainly are. There's no question about it. There's very few defenses that are better than them right now. Um, you know, w- with this de- with this game in general, it, the defense did a good job of getting pressure. You know, six sacks, that, that's a season high for them. It always seems to be weird how the Colts, every time we face the Jags, um, at, at the second time throughout the season in our building, we seem to somehow get a miraculous sack total against them. I don't know how that happens, but it happens every year. And, you know, it, it, it was, it was a good job by the defensive line. Not, uh, not a ton of, uh, run options there until the second half. Um, they were, they were struggling with that. And like you said, the, the defense was just literally unstoppable in the first half until that last drive, which I don't know if this is an Eberflus thing or if it was the defense, but it just seemed like they were out there and just simply did not try to really stop them. I mean, there were, there were multiple times where guys were still looking at the sideline when Jacksonville was snapping the football. I mean, and, and nevertheless, okay. They gave up seven points. I mean, and they're giving up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're up by 20, like, okay, great, whatever. It, it wasn't a huge deal to me. I kind of figured something like that would probably happen. Whatever. You, you did it once, whatever. And then you gave up a really quick score in the in the second half. And going into the fourth quarter, Mike Glennon was perfect in that third quarter. He he didn't miss one pass. And that's yeah. what concerned me is that even when the defense was trying, they all of a sudden just seemed to not be able to keep up with him. And there were multiple times that Mike Glennon bailed him out too because Keenan Cole dropped an easy first down catch, but it fell to the turf, and that ended up being a fourth down. So the Jags had to punt, but that was a 20-yard gain that was just a drop. I mean, there were multiple times that this defense just didn't really uh, do what it needed to do. I mean, I'm not I'm not questioning their effort. I'm just saying this team needs to you know, start getting a little bit more focused on that aspect of it, because we know how this defense can do against the run. They've done it all year long. They're the second best rushing defense in all football. But I mean, it, the passing coverage has kind of dropped off a little bit, you know, and that comes from, you know, Julian Blackman making a, less plays. Obviously, Corey Willis was out today and, or yesterday, mm-hmm. and so was Rocky Sin. Had a couple guys missing. So cornerback depth was a little bit of a concern there. No question about it. But um, yeah, this team's just got to do a little better defensively and pass coverage uh, going into the playoffs. But outside of that, the defense didn't do a terrible job yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I mean, six sacks, you force a you force a fumble. I didn't even think that was a fumble. I thought that was a forward pass, but apparently it was a fumble. I don't know how, but uh, <laughs> but he, I don't worry. I'll take it. I'll take it from Darius Leonard. But um, yeah, so 
Defense, a little concerning in pass coverage, but overall, I think that the the defense was fine yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you're not playing Mike Glennon in the playoffs, let's be honest. So that, that definitely has to change. You can't have a third quarter like that. Um, but yeah, I, I like that they, they started to really come around in that fourth quarter, did really a good job. And, and, you know, I don't really blame the defense so much as just the offense kept stalling out. They kept stalling out at certain points, and they didn't really help their defense at all. I mean, if the offense was any sort of competent in that third and most of that fourth quarter, it wouldn't even have been a game. So I'm, right. more, I'm more blaming the offense for that. But, but yeah, the defense, there's just a few things, like you said. And I think, yeah, you did miss Kari Willis, especially Rakia Sen as well. So if you can get both those guys for the playoffs, feel a little bit better about our chances there at uh, doing a little bit better job against the pass. But all righty. Well, it's a little bit shorter recap, not a whole lot to talk about. We're going to be doing a whole lot. I'm sure this week in this playoff game, I'm really excited for it, man. Really looking forward to, to maybe a Colts win. We'll see. I would love for another playoff win. It's been far too long. We've gone through way too much grief to get to this <sighs> point and too much pain. So it's time, man. I'm so excited for the playoffs. Colts Nation, thank you guys so much for all your support of us. Man, that live stream yesterday was insane. You guys are amazing. <laughs> thank you, guys. That's yeah. over 12,000 views right now, which was crazy to me. That's by far our biggest video. Almost to 5,000 subs as well. So would love to get it during this playoff game. That would be incredible if we were able to do that. But mm -hmm. anything else you got, Derek, before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, just uh, thank you guys again for tuning in. And for everyone that was in the live stream, I know that the major half of the people that were actually in the chat were not actually Colts fans. A lot of them were uh, <laughs> Dolphins fans or uh, Bills fans or Jags fans. You know, we, we had a, whole, a wide variety of people. And, you know, you guys did a great job of liking the stream, pushing it out to more people. More people were watching. Um, yeah, 700 people in there at one point during that live stream. That was, that was incredible. We've never gotten that close. I think our prior record before that was like 300 and like 30. So you guys wow. completely doubled our highest total ever there. Uh, and we're certainly going to be enjoying uh, streaming again during the uh, playoff game. So thank you guys, everyone that was tuning in and less than a hundred subs from 5k. And we'll be doing that giveaway soon. Once we hit it. Absolutely. Really looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much. If you're still at the end of this video and you're still listening, be sure to hit that like button as well and subscribe if you haven't yet. But for Derek and myself, thank you guys so much. And as always, go Colts.